Amen. Hey, my name is uh, Jason. I get the joy of serving as one of the pastors here this morning. Man, it feels good. I feel like the Spirit is at work this morning. Uh, he's just longing to set people free from sin, ransom us captive, and to uh, allow us to live a life. So uh, as we celebrate freedom on the July 4th today, um, that's where my heart is kind of driving towards. As I was praying about this Sunday, about how do we come before the face of God and how do we worship Him, my heart was just settled on, you know what? Man, it, it's been a challenging year, year and a half, maybe for some of you longer than that. And so I just want to I just want to just have a situation where we can come before God and we can say, how are we doing? Let me, let me maybe help you understand a little bit. In our family, we do what we call heart checks. You can go up to my kids and you can ask them, how's your heart? And they will actually, in a very introspective way, tell you. Like, it, it's hurt, or I'm angry, or it's good. And so when, when they do something, I want to drive at the motivator of what they're doing. When you hit your sister, right, it's not just because you're a disobedient kid, but why did you hit her? And, and they'll say, well, because they took my toy. And I say, no, 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 no. What was in your heart when you hit your sister or your brother, right? Because it's a two-way street, right? And, and they'll say, well, I was angry. Okay, okay. So how do, we, how, do we, how do we run at this? When you were angry, what should you have done? What, how does Jesus intersect in that? And so today, what I want us to do is to just ask ourselves, how are we doing? The last year and a half, two years, has been a, a traumatic time. If, if we're not honest, some of us, like our lives were turned upside down. God said it's not good for man to be alone, and we were alone. And in some circles, if you wore a mask, you were this type of person. If you didn't wear a mask, you were this type of person. And so it was like, man, if I wear a mask or I don't, there's people who are upset with me. And then we went through this very bitter uh, election where some people are still fighting about that. And there's just this extreme division that we are experiencing, not just as um, in Southwest Iowa, but across America and across the world. And so I think we as Christians need to just pause and say, how's my heart today? Like, how, how am I doing? And so what I opened up to was Psalm 116. That's where we're going to be. If you have your Bibles, you can hop in there. But as we open that up, what I want us to do is maybe just be honest with how we're doing today. I want to kind of create the space and the, and the place for that here today for us to say, man, I'm doing good, and I want to worship Jesus, or you know what? I'm exhausted. Like, I, I feel like I lost out on a year of work with my friends. I feel like I lost out a year of school. There was opportunities. I know us as a family, Stephanie said last summer, she feels like she missed out on opportunity. And so there's grieving there because we only have kids for a certain season. And so there's real trauma that we experience, whether we recognize it or not, or that other people next to us experienced. And so I was trying to think, what's a good way to picture this? And so I came up with a very terrible graphic that I made myself, and I would already change it. Uh, can you throw it up real quick? If we think of life kind of as we have these ups and these downs, right? That's bad. You guys are laughing. You're like, that is bad. Yeah, right? And, and we think of like, there's, I would already change it. So it's the baseline of health. Okay, so we just say, just think of life on a linear path. You have your beginning and your end. And so we have a spiritual health, an uh, emotional health, a mental health. And what we're going to see in the text today is that pleasure or joy or love is what takes us up to what we might say is a high point where we experience love, and then for some reason we go back down and we experience pain, and God in his grace pulls us out of that pain 
through a pleasurable experience. And so there's joy that we experience, and then maybe we have anxiety about something, and we kind of come down. And so all of humanity is trying to live at this baseline or this equilibrium because we weren't created to experience pain. We weren't experienced to experience, uh, created to experience anxiety and stress. And so when we experience those things, we naturally try to do something to get out of that experience. Very much like if you were to put your hand on a stove, you pull it back because it hurts. And so God created you for comfort. He created you for joy. He created for you for peace. He created you for security. He created you to have an identity. And those are the markers. And so there's another one that I would say, once sin is no more, this will be our life. So there will be no more pain, no more anxiety. And so we're just going to have kind of a baseline of normality, and then we're going to experience joy. And then we have this baseline, we experience happiness. And so my hope is, is that we can just kind of say, you know what, this is the, I'm trying to get back to that, or man, God is good right now, and I'm celebrating that. And I know some of you guys right now are like, man, I would have tweaked that so much. Don't get hung up on the details. Some of you guys are like, so that doesn't work because of this. I'm just trying to simplify for clarity. Some of you guys are hung up on how bad the graphic is. But I just want us to see like, hey, there is ebbs and flows to life. And I want us to see how God uses his grace to get us out of that valley, but then at the same time how Satan uses the same thing that God has created for good to keep us in that valley. All right? So let's open up to Psalm 116. And I just want to read the very first verse. How are we doing so far? We doing good? Hey, we got big holiday plans. I know some of you guys got holiday plans. Hey, if you don't have holiday plans, I mean, this in all honesty, you can come over to our house tonight. We do fireworks. Um, but if you, if you get injured, I don't have insurance, so you're on your own. So, <laughs> but you're welcome to come over. I mean, in all sincerity. We, uh, there usually end up being about 40 or 50 people that come over, so it's usually a good time. So I would love to celebrate with you guys. Um, let's open up to Psalm chapter uh, 116, verse 1. It says this, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Now, those of you who are very like linear type of individuals, this psalm is going to be kind of, it's going to, you're going to get a little agitated because this, this psalmist, he's just telling the story. And he summarizes in the very first verse his story, that he has a love for God. And so if we're in those, those valleys, the way out is to experience something pleasurable, something joyful, something of love. And he's saying that I love God. Matthew 22, the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and then Mark and Luke say strength. And so for us, where we are today, we can, we can begin to say, if, if I'm feeling this, this depth, the avenue out is love. Now, here's why it gets a little tricky. I'm going to read a quote, quote from C.S. Lewis. I'm going to try to help you understand what I'm saying. I think I have the quote here. I don't have the quote here. Can you put it up on the screen? I'm going to have to read it up here. Sorry. Uh, this is C.S. Lewis. There's a book he, he wrote. And there is a character in there that basically is Satan. And Satan is talking to his demons, okay? And so he says this, Never forget that this is Satan, we is Satan, that when we are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal and satisfying form, we are, in a sense, on the enemy's ground. So Satan's saying, when people are experiencing pleasure, we're operating in God's territory. Are you tracking with me? Okay, keep going. There's another one. He made pleasure, all of our research so far has enabled us to, to not produce one, 
not enabled us to produce one. That's what, I need glasses, I think. All we can do is to encourage the humans to take pleasure, which is our enemy, that's God. This is Satan talking to his demons. Has produced at times, listen to this church, or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. And so God has created us to experience pleasure. So Satan's tool then is to use pleasure in a time or a place in a manner in which we shouldn't to get us to experience stress and anxiety. And the reason why this sounds, for some of us, like some of you guys, like, I, I know, this makes sense. But somewhere along the lines, we as Christians believed into this idea that religious piety meant you had to suffer. If you hate your life, you can't go to Jesus and say, I'm grateful for what you've accomplished. Instead, we need to come to him and say, I love you. Like, I'm appreciative of what you've done. If all we do is we suffer, then we haven't experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. God has created us for comfort, and if we don't recognize, like, we're all trying to get back to that equilibrium. Everyone is trying to get back there, and we're using tools of pleasure to try to get back to that equilibrium. And so when we are in our valleys, the way out isn't to suffer deeper, but is to come before the grace of God and ask that he would give us a love and affection for him or an experience that drives us out of that valley. Are you following me? Because what Satan does when you're down here is he says, I have something to comfort you. I have something tantalizing for you. I have a sweetness that will get you back to your normal. And, and so if we don't recognize that we have two pleasures, one that's almost parallel to what God is, but it takes us off track, and one that is truly of the grace of God, what can happen is we as Christians can stay in bondage. And so the psalmist is saying, I've had this experience where life itself almost came to an end. And I had to cry out to God in a way that he revealed himself, and now I experience love for him. Let's read verse 2. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. So while he's down here, and he's experienced this traumatic situation, he does something that is profound and simple. God, you are the roadmap out of the situation I'm in. He says in verse 3, The snares of death encompass me. The pains of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. And so what he's saying is I literally almost died. Whether it was an illness, we don't know. The psalmist doesn't elaborate. But what we know is that when he was on death's door, when anxiety gripped him, when fear had a hold of him, he knew to turn to God and say, God, I need you to get me out of here. It's a very practical and simple place. But we have to understand that when we're down here, we pursue comfort. Sometimes we pursue comfort in ways that we, we shouldn't. For me, I struggle with entertainment. Like I, I could literally, I've said this before, I can sit and watch TV all day long. When, when things are really hard, what I want to do is I just want to be apathetic towards those things. I want to shut down and just go shut my mind off and consume entertainment. And that becomes in itself a God that's comforting me. But then all that does is that makes me feel like, you know, I didn't really accomplish that much. That what I'm consuming then begins to tell a story within my head. And so if I'm angry with someone, you know what kind of movies I like watching? Revenge type of movies. 
You know where the bad guy gets it at the end? I'm like, yeah, all right, blow him up. Like, you killed him way too easy. Like, I'm writing myself into that narrative, and yet God is saying, if you want to be set free, is to forgive. And so I have to watch my media consumption because that becomes something pleasurable. And it's not really taking me out of the situation that I find myself in. But that's the beauty of what God does is he doesn't beat us down to pull us up. Instead, when we're down here, he reveals his love and affection for us. He lifts us up. And so we as Christians, when we experience God's grace, we experience something pleasurable, something good. And that's where when we read last week, and the psalmist says, I have joy. Sing his praises. We say, how can we not sing his praises? Because when I was down, he lifted me up. And that was good. You think of it like, an individual who decides he's going to throw away 25 years of, of marriage for 15 minutes of infidelity. It's like, man, that, that, that is pleasurable. I mean, even Ecclesiastes says it's fun for a season, but it's only for a season. That's a lie. And so we see very clearly how Satan lies to us and says, hold my hand. I'll get you back to that equilibrium. But it's a lie. And we as Christians, hopefully we have the spirit to say, here's the truth. Like the psalmist, we say, when I'm down here, God has inclined his ear to me as a loving father. And so what verse 4 says, I call on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. So I think there's two things that we're seeing here. First is he's honest. You know what? The situation kind of sucks. It's a hard situation. But then he gives us the practical thing, like, cry out to God. Cry out to him with your distress. Come to him as you are and allow his grace to lift you up. And here's the beautiful part. God is gracious is the Lord and righteous our God is merciful. He's dependent upon his nature. Look at this church, verse 6. The Lord preserves the simple. Like, that's me. I mean, like, that's, isn't that beautiful? Like, some of you guys are like, I know. I know. He does preserve the simple. He lets him preach sometimes, too. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return my soul to your rest. You see, he's trying to get back to that. He knows that the only way back to what we were created for is through God. We're, we have anxiety, we have fear, we have brokenness because we've lost that communion with God. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death. My eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. Do you hear the psalmist just putting his heart out there? Hey, this has been tough. It's been hard. I want to quit. I want to give up. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And this, I love the humanity in 10 and 11. I believe when I spoke, I'm greatly afflicted. Now I can relate to verse 11. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. I don't know if you guys ever get there. Like when you're really down, like it's all stupid. You don't understand. Nobody knows what I'm going through. They're all liars. Nobody can relate. It's just me. I love the humanity in here. I love the honesty in here. I love how he points us to God. I think of John Piper his, one of his greatest lines is that God is most glorified when you're most satisfied in him. Isn't that beautiful? And so if we want to glorify God, 
We have to find pleasure in him. We have to find joy in him, mercy in him. And so the narrative for us isn't that when we're beat down, we're doing something to benefit. The narrative is, is when we experience the grace and salvation of God, when we're satisfied in him, we glorify him. We sing his praises. We tell of his mercies. To experience his mercies, you have to experience his mercies. Right? But there's an honesty where we say, you know what? Man, this last year has been hard. Some of you introverts are like, you don't understand. It's been great. Working by myself? I love it. Like, we got to go back to work now. That's gas. That's time. You know what? I, Stephanie, this has been awesome. I think she'll be okay with me sharing this, but if she's not, then I'll be in trouble. But she's, she's pregnant. If you haven't noticed now, I don't understand how you haven't. But anyways, <laughs> right? She's due like in two weeks. But this pregnancy has done something really phenomenal for her is it's turned her into an introvert. And she's like, I know how you feel now. Like, when you're with a group of people, your batteries run dry. She goes, I don't feel like socializing. And I'm like, that is how I always feel when you're like, let's go socialize. Like, so I, I, I like this last year. It was like, oh, we're just going to be locked in the house. But for me, I'm like, yeah, that's a good thing. Like, we get to be by ourselves, you know? And like, it's like one of God's graces. I'm going to commune with God by myself. But there's a beauty in recognizing that even as introverts, it's not good for man to be alone. That God's grace is present when his saints gather for us. And so I just want us to maybe look back and say, how was the last year, five years or 10 years? Go back as far and just say, man, how, how's my heart? The psalmist is being honest, saying, man, I was close to death. I didn't want to be there. And so where were we? How have we handled the last year? Have we been angry on social media? Have we lashed out? Have we allowed God to work in our life? Are we seeing his grace as evidence in what he's accomplishing? And so we can take verse 12 and 19 as the application when he says, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits? I will lift up the cup of salvation. Isn't that beautiful? He recognizes that the way out of anxiety and perpetual fear is to be saved by God. And so there's an honesty there. There's a humility there that you can't do it. There, there's a reality where it's like, man, I, I'm broken, and I'm not going to pull myself up by the bootstraps. Like I'm, I'm not going to work and get it done. Instead, I need a Savior. Like I can't save myself from my own sin. I need Jesus Christ. I need His grace. I need His work on the cross. I need His Spirit to lift me up. All I can do when I'm down here is cry out to my dad in heaven. That's it. That is humbling, isn't it, church? Some of you guys are like, no, nah, I'm going to get the job done. Right? It's July 4th. We defeated the king once. Like, I, I was saying, I got nothing on me. Like, this, this is my day of freedom. But that's the, the idea where you can be dependent on yourself. Instead, God says, you don't have to do the work. I'll, I'll get you back up. Like, my, my joy is yours to have. Simply trusting and believing. It's simply accepting the salvation I have for you. And those who are Christians, we come before our Father and say, God, I am broken. I have anxiety. I have fear. You don't understand what my mom and my dad did to me. We bring that back to him for healing. We don't try to fix it ourselves or apart from him. We cry out to him. We accept his salvation in totality. And then we call upon his name because there is power in his name. In verse 14, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. I would declare his mercies and the freedom he has given me. 
Precious is the sight of the Lord, is the death of his saints. Oh, Lord, look at this. I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. Now, look at this church. You have loosed my bonds. That doesn't seem to make sense, does it? How can you be a servant but then be set free? Until you understand that everyone is a slave to something. You're a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. Two completely different freedoms. Both of them pleasurable. We need to be honest. Do you understand what I'm saying? If, we don't, if we're not honest that sin is pleasurable, at least for a season, but it leaves us there, then we won't, we won't recognize the pleasure that comes from the Holy Spirit. So we need to be people who are discerning and recognize Satan has kept me in bondage through lies. And I believed them. I trusted them. I bought into them. My heart was given over to them. And it's only by God's grace that I even recognize that there's a lie in it. And so we trust in his salvation. We cling to him. We experience the freedom that only he can have. And so we say yes to his salvation, cry out in his name, experience his grace. We come before his people in verse 17 and we say, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Church, do we see that again? Thanksgiving is a hopeful way of reflecting upon God's work so we can have hope in the future. We say, God, thank you for what you've done yesterday. You freed us from yesterday. No longer am I depressed and held in stress and bondage. No longer am I stuck there. Instead, I have hope in what you're accomplishing. Today is the day of life. Today is the day of freedom because of what you have done. And I give you thanks for that. So I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst. O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. He has set you free, church. You are free. Because of what he has done. And that is a pleasurable and good experience. That is a joyful experience. Don't let Satan tell you that there is no good in Jesus Christ and there's only good in him. That is what he wants us to believe. Jesus pulls us out of suffering, he pulls us out of sin, and he gives us an identity. He gives us his grace, he gives us his joy. It is a beautiful thing. He has loosed the bonds. Whatever your bond was, addiction, whether you were, an, you were an addicted to work, whatever that was, Jesus has broken that. That is the truth. We simply trust and believe in him. And so what I want to do today is I want to give us some space and some time. Hopefully I didn't go too long. Who, who, anybody was timing me today? Anybody? That's good. All right. My phone is actually up there, so I wouldn't keep track of myself either. I was like, I'm going to shoot for about 20 minutes, because what I want to do is I want to give us about five or 10 minutes to just, just come before Jesus and pray. And so what I've asked is Kristen and Jim to come forward just to lead us in a time of prayer. I've asked them to walk us through this psalm. Let it be a time of healing, a time of reflecting upon God's grace, his goodness, and so that we can just say we've come before the throne of Jesus Christ today and experience only the freedom that he can have. You guys ready? Not ready? Jim says no. Kristen, you're on your own. Give the microphone. Do we have the wireless microphone? Pastor uh, Jason has asked us to kind of help lead in some prayer time so we're going to take just a few minutes here 
because we know that uh, over this last year or year and a half, whether we want to admit it or not, it hasn't probably been the best year of most of our lives. I am an extrovert. She is not. So I wanted to go out and do things, but she got her way. <laughs> but we've all, we've all uh, developed differently over the last year on how we tolerate and how we, we work through things. When we were all sick with, with the COVID, we were, we were home alone for two weeks. But we didn't really argue. We didn't really fight. We just, we bonded together, together because we all had the same thing. We all wanted to do the same thing. We wanted to get better. And we spent a lot of time praying and, and, and working together. But we also knew a lot of people who had friends and family who were in the hospital by themselves. And my heart continually broke for those people because they were in a spot that they needed somebody there, but they, they couldn't. We personally know of a lady who was a year older than we are. She died alone in the hospital, and her husband and kids were at home. They couldn't be with her. It just, just tears us apart. So we do need to take some time this morning and get together with the person in your pew or the person across from you or behind you or in front of you. And just take time and pray with them. Pray for them. We've all got some sort of a burden, whether we want to admit it or not. We need to share each other's burdens today. There's no shame in, in, in letting out and crying with each other. That's why we're here. We're here together. We can hug. We can cry. We can love on each other. I would encourage it. I very seldom ever cried. And then Kristen introduced me to Jesus, and now there's times I can't stop. <laughs> but then there's sometimes I, I don't know how to. But let's get together. Somebody you don't know, we all know each other, or know people who know each other. So let's take a time here of about five minutes. Find somebody. Get together with them. Stand up and move. Sorry. <laughs> Two or three or four, whatever. Don't be afraid. Then do it anyway. We've been uncomfortable for a year, guys. This is a good kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> 